This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of Talking Dirty. I can't <laughs> believe we've made it to a Happy whole... birthday. <laughs> A whole 100 episodes feels like just yesterday we uh, we started, though actually our our little book, we're on the final page of our little book, which all the episode notes are in. So there mm. we go. All very neat. It's like we planned it or something. <laughs> Over at East Ruston Old Vicarage, looking super smart and very preppy this uh, rather dull autumnal wintry day, we have Alan Edward Herbert Gray, our happy and very handsome horticulturalist. <laughs> well, my little book is this one, and I'm, I'm afraid it's only half full, so mine's bigger than yours. <laughs> what a surprise! <laughs> well, lighting up the grey Cambridgeshire countryside, we have Thordis Maria Sophia Fredrickson. And lighting up, I suppose you're somewhere London way, aren't you? Our guest for episode 100, helping <laughs> us straddle the country, is none other than award winning garden designer author, animal rights advocate, allotmenteer, all kinds of things that begin with A, Cleve West. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm in Hampton Wick, which is just down the road from Hampton Court. Oh, there we go. But thank you for inviting me. This is brilliant. We want to know your middle name, I suppose, before we move oh, on to yeah. anything else, but yeah, particularly because your first name is so fantastic. Well, it's Francis. That's my middle name. <clears throat> and, any uh, reasons behind any of them? Uh, well, I came from a, a very strong Catholic family, so uh, you know Francis is my middle sort of saint's name, which ties in quite nicely with the animal rights stuff because you know Saint Francis of Assisi. Cleve um, yeah. is uh, oh god, do you know what I meant to look up the name of the film? I think it's called The Hunters. Robert Mitchum played a character in the Korean War. <laughs> Korean War. I ought to tell you. Listeners, that I've got a frog in my throat. I've got. I'm coming down with something right now. So excuse me if I start hacking away. Send healing vibes. Even though by the time this goes out, hopefully you'll be out the other side of it. But you know, the, the thought is there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So names. Yes. And I, I often wish I had my instead of the saint's name. I wish I'd had my granddad's middle name, which is Barton. It was like a family name that got handed down because I got. A, I would have got a shed load more work from a double-barrelled surname, as you know. <laughs> well, you can do it, Cleve. Well, I could do, I suppose. I should yeah. do as an experiment, really. Yeah, exactly. Why not? Steve Barton West. Yes. Yeah. yes. Mind you, it's not like you really need any any kind of boost, is it, Cleve? You've got, goodness knows, what is it, six gold medals at Chelsea <laughs> to your name, all of these wonderful gardens that you've designed. Um, and <laughs> we've always been inspired by you. If Alan and I had a pound for every time we've talked about that parsnip you included <laughs> in that Chelsea garden, we yeah. would be extremely rich. I don't even I was... know how many times that's come up on the radio, on this podcast. <laughs> it was a pure stroke of genius. I was at the Chelsea Flower Show that day when the judges were going round and they were looking at this. I mean, they're looking at a parsnip for Christ's sake, <laughs> and they're scratching their heads and everything else, and saying, "Just some kind of umbrella." <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fantastic because I'm <clears throat> I'm a garden designer. I'm not a botanist, and I really struggle with plant names. Sometimes I've got mild dyslexia as well, which doesn't help. And uh, that I just lived that moment. I really enjoyed that moment because yeah. every single, all the good, the great, and the good came up to me to ask me what that name was, and I said, well, "Don't you know?" <laughs> 
surely, you know. <laughs> I really melt it. I'll tell you another outcome of that, Cleve, was that all my friends went out and bought parsnip seeds. <laughs> I went to the farm shop and bought some parsnips, and I mind bloomed before this did. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, I'm just because uh, I forgot I, we didn't grow parsnips this year at the allotment for some really weird reason, and um, I'm thinking I might slip one into the uh, garden at Chelsea. But instead of getting them from the allotment, which I normally do, just buy one, just buy yeah. a parsnip, stick it in the ground, and it still works. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Before we come on to talking about Chelsea, because extremely excitingly you are returning to the Chelsea Flower Show after what seven years without you and we really have missed you um I must ask you about your allotment because I've just got to the top of the allotment list I've got a little quarter plot up the road and I'm just bursting with ideas and enthusiasm for it so any tips that anyone can share with me I am all ears well the biggest tip I mean you've already had um Charles Dowding yeah I'm just gonna say that what more can I say (laughs) He just makes life. He should get paid for all the hours he saves people. <laughs> We're actually doing that with our vegetable plot here at East Ruston this year because, I mean, I'm, I've got a shed full of cardboard at the moment. Yeah. I'm waiting to do, you know, the yeah. cardboard and then the compost. And I think it really is good. Really? And I mean, there's one thing that Charles said to me um, on the podcast, Natural Fact. I said, well, I get masses of chickweed. He said, well, chickweed is the weed that follows the rotavator. Yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, it's turning the soil over and bringing all the seeds up to germination level. Yeah, yeah. And you can eat chickweed, you know. Yeah. That's the first time someone's mentioned a weed and someone's been able to pull it out of their <laughs> show and tell and demonstrate it on the podcast. Well, I'll, I'll probably explain a bit more about that later. But yeah, Giles Dowding's techniques, you can't go far wrong with that. We can't get enough compost. Our, our one failing is that we can't generate enough compost to do the, um, you know, do that every year. So we're going to have to buy in some every so often. Um, but it's 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 wonderful. The only uh, the other mistake I made was to um, plant apple trees all around the beds. You know, step over apple trees, yeah. and they got a little bit bigger than step over. But all the cooch grass hides in the roots of the apple trees. Yeah, so you can never get rid of those completely. But I've just learned that you can. Uh, with this book, I've just learned that you can actually eat cooch grass <laughs> see actually don't don't quote me on that but in there if you get this book i think it does say that you i only found that out last night you can actually eat cooch grass so. how to enjoy your weeds happy days your um <clears throat> your kind of life having an allotment it must fit so well because you're vegan you're i'm sure able to you're really great at experimenting with different recipes and conjuring up different things poor man's cheese i saw on your instagram things like that so being able to grow a certain amount of produce to eat at home it all fits in so well with your philosophy and your kind of approach to the world oh definitely really does i mean we're real amateurs at the allotment we're nowhere near charles charles dowding's um, skills but um whatever you can grow and eat knowing that there's been no chemicals uh, you know put on the on the plant then it's such a bonus it really does feel good yeah um how long have you been allotmenteering gosh uh 22 this is our 22nd year so yeah we took over one in 2000 so we feel like real stalwarts now old timers <laughs> <laughs> i still haven't got a clue what i'm doing but you know, i pretend well i don't know how you find time for it because you do so much and you've written books and obviously you design gardens all over the place and you've been working on this this chelsea design and i don't know if you ever planned to come back to chelsea or whether it was uh, a sort of coming together of of ideas that lured you back to main avenue it was it, I had no plans at all. I'd sort of done enough and people had seen enough of me and I'd seen enough of the show garden. And it was uh 
I don't know. I, I, it, was, it was timing, really. What with everything going on, and and um, I knew that if I was going to do another one, it would be for a charity and and not not anyone else. And so when Centerpoint got in touch, um, it was a no-brainer, really. Once I'd met them and discussed what they wanted, and and um, they'd heard what I wanted to to do as well. It's like chemistry; it really worked. So I'm looking forward to it. It's a normally I'm, I'm well. I am tr- very nervous about it, obviously, because I'm trying something different. But um, you know, I've got to that age where you know, actually, <laughs> you know, you do want to do the best for you. But medals and all that thing, I've got over that now. <laughs> you reach the Soviet age, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to do something which I hope will cause a little bit of a stir and really sort of send out a strong message for Centerpoint, and Centerpoint will hopefully get some you know um, attention from it. Yeah. yeah, and this is part of Project Giving Back, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it's fantastic because, I mean, the, the downside of working for a charity is that you're taking their money to actually build this very expensive show garden at Chelsea, which, which just swallows up money. It's crazy. Um, but Project Giving Back actually funds all these different show gardens. I think it's for the next... Uh, they, did what, they did it last year for the first time. This will be the second year, 2023, and, and they're doing a year after that as well. What happens to the garden when it's when Chelsea's finished, Cleve? When Chelsea's finished, we're going to fragment this garden into various uh, local uh, locations, you know, so um, service centres for Centrepoint in and around London, so we keep the mileage down. They've got a centre up in um, that they're planning for up in Manchester, and yeah. we're hoping to take um, some ideas from this garden and redesign parts of that as well. But the good thing, the, the most positive thing that of all is the fact that um through our discussions and being excited about Chelsea they've sort of realizing how important gardens are for some of the young people they look after yeah so they're very keen on exploring the idea of getting gardens into some of these centers and that's really exciting so it's not it's not necessarily policy yet but we're hoping that it will be at some point and that will be that will be the best legacy of all really so that um that gardens can be attached to some of I think things. probably that legacy stems out of the last two years of our lives, Cleve, don't you? Where we've been, you yeah. know, we've been caged up like animals and all yeah. the rest. Of it. And, you know, to have a garden, to go out in the garden, to actually be in the garden. Yeah. And, you know, to do it, to be in it, to, to use it. It's just so healing. We're so lucky as well to have that, yeah. um, that sort of sanctuary to escape to, aren't we? Absolutely. Mm. And uh, especially with allotments, we were allowed to use the allotment from day one of the He's locked down, you know, yeah. all our neighbours are look, looking at the curtain saying, where the hell are they going? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Rule breakers. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the garden itself, I'll, I must say that reading the concept behind it, it, it appeals to me. I mean, there's always this ongoing debate about how wild a space makes a garden at Chelsea and um I suppose I haven't I haven't seen the, the drawing of the design, so I don't know how wild it's going to be. But the the idea of mixing together such a lot of different plants, be they native or ornamental, be they things that are classed as weeds. Um, I, I really like that. I perhaps embrace a little bit too much of an informal style at home anyway. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think if you came to our allotment, you can see that we do the same. It's very much like that. And particularly in the last year or so, we've sort of let things... I've become fascinated just to see how nature does it, you know, how it just gets on with it without our help. And, you know, it might end up with me getting a letter from the council about our allotment. But it is fascinating when you watch how things grow, particularly in spring when it's like going absolutely, you know, bonkers. 
One of my favourite places in the world when I was a child and growing up, and I'm talking about five, six, seven, eight, probably till two, three till twelve or something like that, was an area on the farm called the Spreading Oaks, and it was an area where there were some lovely old oak trees. They they would got hollow trunks, and you could hide in them and climb them and all the rest of it. But these oaks were growing in water meadows. Mm. Those water meadows, I learned to ice skate on the on the water that formed on these water meadows. It's only about nine nine inches to a foot deep. Um, but in the spring, they were absolutely covered with dactyl risers and um, all manner of wildflowers. It's just such a magical, magical place. Yeah. And if I look back on that from that from now, I mean, many years later, I look back on that and I think that is exactly what gardens are looking like today. But yeah. I didn't realise it then because gardens in that in those days was. Everything was terribly formal and, you know, um, six inches apart and all the rest of it. You know, summer bedding schemes were blue lobelia, white alyssum and red salvias. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Very patriotic. What's yeah. the word? Patriotic. Very patriotic, patriotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, completely non-natural. But yeah. those, the spreading oaks was one of my favourite, favourite places. Alas, you know, the farmer pulled down the trees and it got ploughed up and turned into cro- crops. You know, it wasn't allowed mm. to be as it was a natural. Yeah. Um, it's quite interesting isn't it when you go back to places you knew as a child because uh, i grew up in somerset in near um, i spent my teenage years in porlock in somerset oh. and um it's fantastic we had exmoor as our backyard and you know the sea the bristol channel and everything there's a little broom called porlock isn't there a broom yeah plant <laughs> broom and it's called oh, see i thought i thought you meant a broom <laughs> no 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 Cytosis, i think <laughs> I think there's a there's a time as well. Yes, yeah. oh. there is. You're yeah. right. Yeah, well done. It's a wonderful part of the world. That's where I go on my holidays, and you grew up there. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. So you know, we live uh, obviously enjoyed, and I think I've got the landscape um, bug through you know subconsciously. But then when I went back after say ten or twelve twelve years, having studied more gardening and more about plants, you suddenly read the landscape differently, yeah. don't you? Start recognizing yeah. names and plants and trees and shrubs it's quite interesting yeah and i have a thought as well on the allotment watching what happens there's such an exciting seed bank in the soil you really have no idea what might turn up whether it is you know actual sort of weedy stuff or potentially kind of cultivated seeds that are lurking around chickweed (laughs) (laughs) but all that i've got i brought some all plants i've got here are just stuff i've picked on the way to work and it's been it's you know some of the plants i'll be using at chelsea so this uh, this probably will be my last Chelsea because they won't want me back after this one. <laughs> well, I don't know. You sound like you're bang on trend if you look at some of the gardens which have been capturing the public mm-hmm. imagination in recent years. The wilder, yeah. the better, I think. Yeah, I think the challenge is going to be, this is why I'm slightly nervous about it, is that the challenge is going to be trying to make it look realistic. And, um, you know, you can do that with, because it is a stage set, all the gardens, no matter whether ornamental, wild, whatever, they're just stage sets. With it, you know, two or three weeks later, they won't really look as good. Um, so the the challenge is really trying to balance uh, a natural, uh, a sort of a, a this ruin, which is a, like a demolished house, and showing how nature is reclaiming it. We won't be able to do it exactly as nature does it. I can't it's, wait it's, to see this. this is going to be yeah. this, is, this is just so nostalgic for me, Cleve, because okay. that's the kind of things that you did used to see. I mean, on a Sunday afternoon when you 
Dad got the car ready, polished it in the morning, put petrol in it and all the rest of it. We go and collect Granny and Grandfather and we go off for a ride. And that's yeah. all you did. You didn't go anywhere to a des- destination. Yeah. But, you know, the things you saw when you were driving through the country countryside, which was ruined farmhouses. Yeah. And sometimes we'd get out and we'd go and have a look. And my gr- Granny was a great one. She'd always have a trowel in her bag. And if there was something worth growing, she'd dig oh, it up. Great. She'd dig it up. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. It, it wasn't illegal in those days, I have to say. Well, uh, yeah, like I say, the, the challenge is trying to c- create the balance between something that's obviously going to be a managed garden because we're saying that someone's looking after it, but also trying to let nature have a bit more of a say than it normally would. So all the things you would normally take out because we, we've got so conditioned to just yanking out weeds rather than they're wildflowers, basically, aren't they? Yeah, and yeah. They're, they're, the, they're almost like the first line of defence when they... When you get a demolition site or some sort of scarring to the landscape, the weeds are doing the first line of they're the band-aid, aren't they? Yeah. The initial band-aid. I remember Penny Hobhouse many years ago when she went to her latest garden, I think, she said that she was leaving this little annual spurge. I don't know the name of it. I know it's a euphorbia, but you, you got it. Well done. That <laughs> man's great. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, no, I showed you the wrong one. That's the spurge. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. 90% of my front garden is full of that. That's the chickweed. Don't <laughs> eat that, for God's sake. No, no, no. But Penny said, I'm leaving that because I like the look of it. I mean, if you start, stand, just take time and look at it in yeah. one of her books. And I just thought, yes, she's right, you know. Yeah. No, it's lovely. It's a lovely little thing. What's it called? I wrote it down because I didn't know it until the other day. Euphorbia peplus. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's funny because I I used to when I first moved in and it moved in around all my plants because before my front garden, it's a very small strip by the, the path everyone walks along and it was so compacted and it had loads of membrane on it and loads of aggregate on top of it and it was just this bleak no man's land. So then I had to sort of get rid of all that and try and improve the soil and put plants in and um, it's lovely now, you know, it's a bit chaotic. But that little spurge, as soon as there wasn't membrane and stuff, it, it covered it. And I yeah. used to try I pulling think, it out. I don't, and... I don't think you shouldn't say chaotic. You should say it, ha- it has an informal naturalness about it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Definitely. Lots of informal yeah. naturalism in my plot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But now I actually, because it was a bit of a crazy year and I wasn't able to remotely have a go at it, I think there's a point when it first seeds, when it can look not as attractive if you just let it go and then it becomes all these lovely little hummocks of bright yeah. zingy green I'm, yeah. I'm now actually quite a fan of it I'm with Penny I'll admit I wasn't with Penny to begin with when it first moved in <laughs> even though I'm quite a weed appreciator but now I've been won over and yeah. it's, it's having a, a whale of a time in my front garden well that's why yeah that, that's why it is going to be a challenge because in t- it ne- nature needs time it needs more than a year to actually make you know make everything neat and well not neat and tiny you'll do it because you're a wizard they sort of grow into each other (laughs) and um so what we're one thing we're trialing is um we've got piles of rubble in this garden um so basically shall i explain the garden yeah yeah okay so so the garden is um it's a very visceral message it's like a demolished house basically and uh, the idea is that it's sort of a strong metaphor for being displaced and uprooted. And we've got a big silver birch tree that's been uprooted and fallen down. So very strong metaphors. And we've got the weeds and uh, a mixture of ornamentals as well. So it's showing how nature is sort of healing the wounds, but then how it's working with a gardener who's looking after the space as well. Um, so, and, and then the, this, there'll be lots of seedlings from this silver birch tree that's fallen down. And they're, they're coming up in the building. So the building itself becomes a garden as well. So the only recognisable part of the whole place is a, 
uh, a basement kitchen and I based this on um, my stepdaughter's um, uh, Victorian terrace in housing Peckham so I've got all the dimensions from there so the only recognizable um, part of the whole house is this hearth uh, like a, a kitchen sunken kitchen with a hearth so the hearth is a strong symbol symbolism for family life and warmth and love and all that so um, the rest of it is all like going a bit bonkers it, the metaphors are fantastic. In case people don't know, Centre Point is is all about youth homelessness and lots of great projects to get kids off the street. So all of that uprootedness, a demolished home, but still that hearth, and 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 actually, I suppose the resilience of weeds plays a huge part in that That's as well. That's right, exactly. And so the the weeds are sort of a metaphor for the, the well, they they symbolise uh, Centre Point patching everyone up and sending them out into the big wide world, all sort of mended. So. Um, that's that's the excitement. That's the exciting part of it. Trying to actually put it together and make it work <laughs> is going to be difficult. So we've got these uh, rubble piles with bricks and um, you know smashed up bits of debris, and we've made some already. The plan is that we sow seeds within these rubble piles and put them on pallets, yeah, and lower them in, into place. Now I've got things like cleavers. You know cleavers, um, yeah, gallium, gallium aparine, yeah. It's, I don't uh, know why Cleve, but it has a nickname in Norfolk that's referred to as Sticky Willies. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right, that's good, man. I like that. Because my nickname was Cleavers when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, so what we've been sowing seeds in these rubble plants. We've been planting some plants in them, but we're also sowing seeds. And to my horror, because of this mild winter, yeah, <laughs> all the cleavers are actually sprouting already at the allotment, where at the source where I got them from, all the seeds. And I don't know, you might be able to help me on this, you two, but um, if an annual weed comes up now, way before it's meant to, will the first frost kill it? Uh, not the first frost, but if, if we have any prolonged frost, it could, yes, it could die. So all my plans may all maybe... Can, uh, can you fleece them? Because, I mean, some of them, they are quite resilient as long as they don't get hit too hard. Mm. I mean, the, the great thing is we haven't had a, a real winter for several years now. No. Um, and there's always gloom and gloom merchants saying we can oh, no, get it one. will be, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not necessarily. I shouldn't worry too much. And I always think that there's always places like hedge bottoms where you find these weeds. And I mean, cleavers is a great thing for going through hedges, as you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you always find, you know, if however cold it is, you'll always find seedlings there. Yeah. But um, it's not a plant. If you imagine the plant, the way they plant at Chelsea, everything's in pots. You plant them in pots. Yeah. Cleavers is just not one of those plants you're no. going to be able to plant. So you, we no. have to sow the seed and let it do its thing and, and just hope for the best. Yeah. So it's, we're flying by the seat of our pants. Well, I'm flying <laughs> by the seat of my pants. <laughs> It definitely illustrates the, not that anyone doubts the extreme planning that goes into a Chelsea garden, but all of the months of work and experimentation, you don't even know what's no. going to work. You just have to cross your fingers and hope and do your best. Yeah, yeah. Are you pl yeah. putting plants in the basement? Uh, yes, there'll be plants in the basement as well. So, um, yeah, there'll be all sorts of stuff coming up. Is it just brought home to mind, um, I, I once had a flat when I was, I suppose, 21, 22, something like that, in Norwich. Mm. And at the back of my flat, there was a kind of light well. And in this light well, there was just uh, hardly any light at all. You know, it, it, was, it was very dark and very gloomy looking. Lots of moss and stuff like that. Yeah. Tumble down old bricks and stuff like that. Yeah. Somebody had actually had in their house Fatsia japonica in their flat as a plant, a house plant, which is which is very popular in the early 70s. Yeah. They'd actually lobbed it out of the window to get rid of it because 
<laughs> and of course, it had lived in this in this light well, and there it was in mm. this dark space. And I just suddenly thought, and there were sort of common ferns there as well, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, Asplenium. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, incredible. No, it's it's fantastic what what um, will survive, you know. And and like I say, the whole thing's going to be an experiment. So uh, mm. going to try and enjoy the ride. It'd be a bit nerve wracking at times. <laughs> And I think you suggested that, you know, you've shown us a couple of your uh, wilder, weedier bits of show and tell, but that there's a, a Chelsea theme to some of the things you picked. I wonder if we're going to see any moss in show and tell. <laughs> well, I haven't got any here, put it that way. <laughs> well, I, just, I just, you know, I can just imagine that Cleve West at the Chelsea Flower Show having one best in show with his new garden, latest garden, comeback garden and all the rest of it. He'll be there down there every night spraying his moss in the, in the basement. <laughs> Well, one of my first show gardens, I, we actually took some moss for something. I've never got over the guilt about the whole thing. I, I took some lovely moss from uh, someone's garden. I felt really guilty afterwards because it looked far better in the garden than it did at Chelsea. Well, the and, only one um, thing you shouldn't feel guilty about is the fact that it regenerates very well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Under certain light conditions. Though. I yeah. think the light conditions were different. But um, well, this reminded me about our tree. Our tree was another thing I felt guilty about because I wanted a wind blown. I didn't want... Um, once I said we're going to use an uprooted tree, I had all these people saying, oh, we found this beautiful tree. And they'd send me these amazing pictures of this tree rotting away with ferns and lichens and everything. And I said, but that's so stunning. And it's just a living ecosystem. All the creatures you're going to disturb. Yeah. So I didn't know. I suddenly thought, oh, God, I've sold this idea to Project Giving Back and Centerpoint. What are we going to do? And then lo and behold, crocus who are going to be building the garden for us. So, yeah, so we've got crocus building the garden, hortus loci, Doing all the plants with, uh, um, yeah, with Mark Straver, um, and I, yeah. So, what are we going to do about this tree? Um, so, when we started doing some work at Crocus ahead of the time, I had to paint a mural for the garden. Um, they said, "Oh, well, we're expanding our reservoir because the, the during the summer the, the reservoir just dried out, literally within weeks in that hot spell. So, we're expanding the reservoir, and lo and behold, there's this magnificent." birch which was coming out and um so i you know it's still sad to see this magnificent tree come down but at least it wasn't taken down deliberately for the show so it that is, was a bit of a relief it's absolutely fascinating because it, what you're describing is this birch tree that's fallen down and the young birch seedlings coming up i mean which is exactly what happens in nature we've got yeah. a log pile just down near the entrance to the garden and I mean I've just left it there and it's been there 15 years I should think and it's almost rotted down but not quite yeah. and you know the plants that have grown in there a self-sown Quercus ilex for instance yeah the green oak and the self-sown yeah. holly in there mosses lichens ferns yeah. even Japanese anemones have found their way in there I haven't planted any of this oh, um yeah. plus the yeah. fact we've got nettles and grasses and, and oxide daisies you know it's yeah. just a it's it's almost like a a life in itself as it's life yeah exactly well this tree will be obviously because it's only just come down it won't have any of the rotting down but it will no. be you know we can can still convey the message that it will be habit habitat you know that's the other thing emphasizing habitat so the rock the rock piles and the, and the, uh, the sorry the brick piles and the rubble piles and the tree will all become habitat so it sort of plays on this whole notion of home um, yeah. throughout the garden so it's multi multi layered. It's a wonderful idea, and I really love the sensitivity of the approach because I'm um, a bit like when we talked to Kate Bradbury the other day, and she'd been rescuing caterpillars and keeping them in her bathroom to uh, oh, to make sure they 
Yeah, <laughs> make sure really. they weren't annihilated by the uh, the council's strimming policy. Um, I I do right. love a a kind of an emotional approach to gardens and environment because they are such emotional places. I mean, I get attached to lots of the plants and critters and things in in my garden. Yeah, yeah. No, I know that. I know that very well. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to know what's going on outside your window, Alan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's what's happening? What's happening? <coughs> well, Callum is out there and he's just been bringing some logs in, I think. I don't know. I thought there might be like Chippendales out there or something. It looked yeah. very... I was going to say that. I thought I'd better not say that. Of course you can't do it. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So plants that are lined up that you've picked for us this morning, we've seen your little your spurge and your chickweed what yeah. else did you pick out well it didn't have a flower but we've got a sow thistle oh. yep did you say so or sow 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 as thistle. in female pig <laughs> yeah sow thistle there you go um you've seen the the euphorbia already yeah. it looks so um, good on your screen i'm glad i've oh. changed my mind about it <laughs> there you go do you know that one but see, that's a, that's a plant, that little yellow poppy, which I can't remember the name of. Chelidonium. That's it, ah, Chelidonium. Yes, I know. Well, Chelidonium was a, was a weed of my childhood that I've introduced into this garden. Brilliant, yeah. And we've got loads, it just pops up at home, and I don't know where it came from originally, but we have it at home and at the allotment, so celandines. And then um, this old rough, <laughs> this, this is a real brute at the allotment. This is... Um, ah! Pentaglottis. <laughs> I love it. It's the green alkanet. I mean, I never, ever, ever thought in a million years I would be using this at Chelsea. But do you know, Clean secret shared, I love that plant. Yeah. Oh, good. I know it, it's, it's a violent takeover of plots, and yeah. it will invade your plot, and if you cut the top of the uh, of the thing, the roots just regrow again. But yeah. it's just so lovely. In late winter, early spring, all those lovely little bird's-eye blue flowers are fantastic. It really is a fantastic early nectar plant, isn't it? Yeah. yeah for pollinators yeah and the other thing is that i mean i don't know this for sure i mean it's um, from just skipping through this book last night i'm you know the, the, the plants with deep roots like comfrey there'll be comfrey in this garden um, um this one this uh pen, green alkanet they draw up a lot of minerals and yep. things from them, and so they help other plants and they keep the, the the whole they keep the soil fertile so you know they're, they're good plants to have in the garden I'm, I'm not an expert on all this but that's my sort of assumption and i do love um, a plant which is so capable of coping in a vast array of, of situations because yes. i mean I, I one of my favorite walks through norwich which sadly i don't live in anymore but um i'd cut through through the art college down by the river and there was this extremely heavily tree shaded area before you sort of went through the, the ruined arch into this lovely bit of art college and it was every spring just a carpet of alkanet oh, in wow. the dark and in the dry and it was doing so well and lighting it up because obviously it's got that kind yeah. of foliage and those lovely blue pinprick flowers yeah. um, and I just want to take my hat off to plants that can cope in that kind of situation. I know and the, the variety of foliage is incredible you think of that green alkanet and then the chelidonium the, the the shapes of the plants the forms are fantastic if you really look and I find I mean I'm, it's sad to say that I'm actually I get more excited these days looking there's a I've got a really I can't show you my view but I've got a little brick wall I'm in a semi-basement and there's some I can't see there's some grasses and I can't tell what the other thing is but anything that's growing in nothing 
excites yeah. me more than anything else you know a fantastic you know herbaceous border it doesn't do it for me anymore it's like <laughs> i'm still looking at all these little things <laughs> so even you know nettles which is a great plant and at our allotment we've got so much so much with it it could do with weeding out but um it's a great food plant for butterflies. Yeah, food plant for and butterflies. And I've got banks of nettles in the garden that we leave deliberately, and I tell people, yeah, but that's for the butterflies. Yeah, And they exactly. don't believe you. They look at you and laugh and say, you haven't got around to doing that, have you? No, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what? I start, I really firmly believe that um, if any garden design courses are thinking of starting out, I think one thing I think all garden designers and gardeners should have um, as a tool is um, some sort of entomology course because yeah. – I really wish I knew more about insects and mammals and invertebrates and um, you know all the smaller things really that uh, that keep everything going and, and and use plants and weeds as host plants, feeding plants. I'm sort of getting a bit late in the day for um, the likes of me, but uh, careful. Uh, I was going to include you on that, but uh, yeah, it's a serious issue though. When you think of everything that's going on in the world, biodiversity collapse and everything, it's like. What can we do as gardeners? Well, we're starting, I think, if you take, I mean, just take Charles Dowding's no dig method, for instance. I mean, just imagine every time you dig a hole, you're going to, the thousands, if not millions of things you're going to affect. Yeah, exactly. Microorganisms in the soil and everything else. I mean, you're still going to affect them to a certain amount when you dig a a little hole to put seedling in or something, but nowhere near as much. No, and as a garden designer, it's like it, it's really sobering though when I go and visit site and you can see and you know some there's some jobs which I started many years ago and there's still diggers and stuff going on and I'm thinking oh my god you know <laughs> what have I done and it's, it's serious I like think what do I need do we need to be doing all this you know yeah. it's a real serious question now well I've seen you put some really thought-provoking posts online about I mean show gardens in particular where obviously the pursuit of perfection mm. is utmost and mm. that might lead to some you know approaches that we wouldn't necessarily want to see in our gardens these days talking yeah. about maybe pesticides or you yeah. know removing material which is actually beneficial for wildlife that's right we saw birds feasting on caterpillars last year and you know the first in- instinct for most people is get the sprayer you know and i said no no let's not do that you know and i I've, t- I've had a talk with mark straver at Hortus loco i think he's slightly Worried that the fact that uh, you know his polytunnel is going to be full of dandelion seedlings and all that sort of thing going on, but um, you know I've said you don't have to do any weeding with this. This is the, this is going to be the easiest. No, it's not going to be that easy. It's quite challenging. But I say I don't want people weeding. Don't want people spraying anything or killing anything. Just let it be. So we'll have nibbled leaves. Who's going to be able to tell whether there's a nibbled leave on this? You know. <laughs> so it's 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 uh, this is why I'm quite excited about this garden. It's that I feel I feel it's an important garden for Centre Point. And actually, one of the nice things at Chelsea is spotting which gardens all the wildlife is moving into. And so I I suspect yeah. yours is going to be that one that they're all homing in on like a beacon. Yeah, that's another worry, you know, because you, you know you <laughs> create these things. Because we once had a we ha- had a tree where we had a bird's nest in it at Chelsea, and yeah. we had to leave the tree until August to take <laughs> it out until the birds had fledged. So we've got um, Johnny Woodford, the sculptor I used to work for, year, work with years ago, and we're working together on this one. He's making so in a small way, he's making some bird boxes, but we're not actually having holes in the bird boxes. Well, there will be a hole, but they won't actually be able to get in. So the last yeah, thing yeah. we want is another bird sort of 
living in there. <laughs> I remember this happening in the in the main marquee, and I think it was uh, who was the people that used to do those wonderful topiary topiary you and box um, oh. Swannington's, wasn't it? Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, they they had a blackbird nesting in one of their topiarized ewes. Oh, they yeah. had to leave it. Yeah, yeah. It's Just crazy. abandoned at the Royal Hospital. <laughs> I know. But it is a sort of a worry. I mean, we we had bird baths at uh, the last Chelsea Garden I did, and literally within, I'm not kidding, I'm not exaggerating, literally within a minute of putting the in its final <laughs> place, we had birds going in there, right up to the point where it was taken out. It was incredible. Yeah. In central London, for instance, live call it livestock wildlife if you like they are a lot more used to human people so they're not mm. as frightened as perhaps or as shy as country birds and so therefore they you know it's an opportunity yeah no that's right oh i was woken up because i got this sort of cough developing i woke up at half one this morning and there's a noise outside and i thought we had burglars and it turned out to be i put the torch on the biggest fox I've ever seen. It was almost really? like a wolf. It was so big. And he was looking into our back door. He had a drink from the pond and he had to look in the back door. And it was, um, I thought he was going to break through the cat flap at one point. <laughs> Last year, it was the Delphinium exhibitors who'd uh, set everything up perfectly. You know, the, the pristine precariousness of a Delphinium display. And then they came back the next day and there were fox paw prints sort of in and out serpentining oh, and um, I, I suppose they had to get rid of the paw prints but actually I don't think I think I'm right Alan and saying they didn't do any harm to the plants themselves no they didn't they didn't they, I mean it's amazing because you know when delphiniums uh, show delphiniums their heads are very heavy and they're so they're almost top heavy and they yeah. were sort of singly arranged in these in these funny shaped vases with a little wide foot and the the thing had gone in and it hadn't knocked a single vase over which is amazing incredible Wow. Mm. So not your wolf-sized one, then? <laughs> no, no, he wouldn't have been able to get away with it. I want fox footprints in my garden. Yeah, that'd be epic. Definitely definitely not going to wash those away. <laughs> Hopefully they won't move into the ruin. And uh... Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> were, were there any other little bits of plant hovering oh. about on your table? Oh, yeah. This is um, caper spurge, oh, another type. Oh, love it. Love it. Caper spurge. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean... Euphorbia yeah. lathyrus. Incredible. I, I mean, it's such an amazing form. I don't know why. No, it just has such architecturality about it. I mean, yeah. that, that sort of the, you know, the way the leaves go like a cross, if you like. Yeah. And the other thing is the colour. I mean, the colour of the of those leaves in the garden. I mean, they're so glaucous. It's such a handsome plant. I just leave it. I love it. Yeah, so do I. I always cover a caper spurge on my dog walk. Um, you're right, Cleve. I get very excited about looking for the things that have seeded into random places. And there's one little neglected corner by some garage where there's this wonderful caper spurge that I'm always <laughs> very jealous of. And then similarly near my house, someone planted some bedding nicotianas and they've all seeded across into the tiny little bit of detritus between mm. uh, basically the paving slabs and the curb. And there are all yeah. these lovely little lime green nicotianas seeded there. Yeah, it's They're incredible. Wonderful. I did, I'm not sure if this is right, but I think I read somewhere that in a square foot of soil, there's roughly about 10,000 seeds. Yeah, yeah. This is mind-blowing, isn't it? Yeah, think? it is. The potential. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's about it on the weed front, I think. <laughs> uh, this And literally, this is stuff that I picked up on the way in this morning. Um, so I've got another source for, for Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got... Uh, Oh, good old Flomis Rosaliana. Sort of planted because our cat 
who died last year or the, oh. earlier this year is called uh, it was called Russell. So I quite <laughs> like this one. Promise <laughs> Russelliana. The Flomus. I was um, coveting some wonderful seed heads on uh, the Beth Chateau Garden Instagram the other day because I haven't been able to pop down there to see them in real life and all the Miss Wilmot's ghost and I think it was Allium nigrum seed heads and the flomus in the background oh it was such a wonderful combination of seed heads at this time of year when you say that's a wonderful combination of seed heads it gets even better if we have what's known as a hoarfrost on there i mean it blooms again it just those things those plants that die with dignity they have that wonderful skeletal form it shouldn't be destroyed no, that's right. And I've seen um, goldfinches feasting on the seeds yeah. of uh, Plumis rosaliana. It's, it's a, a funny plant because sometimes it gets a bit too cheeky, doesn't it? You have to sort of start reducing the clumps. But yes, and I always think, oh, I'm not going to plant that. I'm not going to plant that. And then you end up putting it in because <laughs> it's just so fantastically if you, sculpted. If you, if you manage it enough to keep its vigour, yeah. then that's fine. Yeah, yeah. You, ha- you have to go through that period when you cut it back and it looks a wreck, but it comes yeah. back. That's right. Well, I just need your help with this. This is a a geranium, uh, which I've got from our garden, which I can't remember the name of, and I haven't got any leaves, I'm afraid. Is it that sort of sprawly one with Glaucus foliage? Glaucus, yeah, that one. Sidioides or something? Say again? Pelagonium, that is Sidioides. Yeah, Sidioides? Yes, that's the one, I think. I love that. Yeah, so do I. I really do love it. That gets really, really woody. Is somebody it? came to my garden and said, why don't you plant that in the garden? I said, because it won't come through the winter. And he said, try it. It will. I ha- I have, and it did. Oh, really? Okay. <gasps> yeah. Oh, That's well, they're outside at the moment, but it's been so mild, I've just left it. So, uh, And this is something, uh, a glycorrhiza, which oh. um, yep. we've got in our garden. Our garden's a bit of a mess at the moment because um, our pond is leaking and um, we haven't had much wildlife in it lately for various reasons and I'm, I've made a really drastic decision to take it out and, and I'm going to use it plant I'm going to make a smaller pond and because it spans the whole width of the garden you have to walk over it and there's been a couple of accidents or near accidents lately when Brentford scored their winner against Man City I almost went flying honestly I went I was like so excited I, there's a stepping stone I went so quickly indoors to tell everyone and I skidded on the bloody thing and almost fell in Jeez. No, my other half said you must congratulate Cleve on uh, Brentford's win over Man City because he's a football kind of reportery type. oh okay so he's across all the, all the teams he was like you must I congratulate yeah exactly we all are Brentford fans we can die happy now <laughs> that was fabulous but anyway, because so we're digging up this pond, which is terrible, but we'll have a smaller pond and we'll have more planting space because uh, our neighbours aren't so keen, you know, around us. They're not so keen gardeners. So we want a bit more greenery and nature, you know, feel a bit yeah. starved where we are. Did your did your garden appreciate your leaking pond during the drought, though? God, it went right down. It was incredible. It was, you know, it's uh, it was really sad actually. It's not. It's lost its former glory. But I was. I mean, it survived. Like the whole pond's been there for twenty more well, since 1994. When is that? Long, long time. But I was trying to be too clever as a garden designer, and I was wasn't so um, you know, wasn't so interested in plants as I am now. So uh, it would get more chance to express itself through greenery rather than hard bricks and mortar. Well, it's always exciting as a garden designer to be able to turn your attentions to your own plot and uh, and make it evolve. Yeah, except when you've got an allotment, you don't have the time, do you? <laughs> yeah, I'll probably about to discover that, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
fortunately my garden is very small um yeah. but that glycoriza i mean that is a a really wonderful plant i mean talking about seed heads such distinctive beautiful mm. seed heads i don't have yeah. it in my garden but it's definitely one on yeah. the wish list it's really lovely and the flower the beautiful blue flowers in the early summer really so, lovely yeah and, and clearly if you've got that in your garden i think i think that's one of the things that makes you stand out at Chelsea or stand out as a garden designer there's like a crop of garden designers who really love their plants mm. um a lot a lot of I think garden designers get into it more for the landscaping or yeah. you know from a, an artistic point of view but there is this sort of core of people who just get excited about the planting palette yeah yeah exactly and the planting is gonna I'm, I've got Homera Ikram she's gonna help with the planting she used to worked with me years ago and my daughter my stepdaughter Stephanie Marling and uh you know because they said we all like to finish early at Chelsea you know within a couple of days so you can strut around being proud of yourself and annoying other people who haven't been <laughs> but I think this is going to be this is going to take it I think it's going to go to the wire we don't want to rush this it's going to be quite a difficult garden to plant so yeah it'll be interesting <laughs> at least you're putting all the groundwork in with your rubble heaps yeah that's right no exactly i think it's i think it's i think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic and wonderful but and i mean i i can just hear the rumbles of <laughs> call it a garden i wouldn't call oh, it a garden. Yeah, no, definitely. i mean that was said at the charlotte and the hugo when they did their yeah. disused quarry garden wasn't it i mean yeah. i was surprised not... at some of the reaction but I, I guess this will definitely be a marmite garden it will you yeah, know, yeah. hate it so yeah but, you know, that's what we want. We want people talking about it, basically. Exactly, and increasing everybody's awareness of nature. Yeah, that's right. And we are, as I said before, we're at this critical moment where people need to understand more about, you know, all these things yeah. we don't see. Yeah. Playing a very vital part in keeping the world alive. Yeah. Has it been difficult putting together a full planting scheme? Because obviously you want to include some yeah. ornamentals. Um, and so picking natives, non-natives... How have you kind of completely figured out what you want? Yes, that's an interesting question. Um, I think, in fact, John Sales, um, I don't know if you remember John Sales, Alan, he used to be um, with the RHS, one of the RHS judges. He was one yeah, of the most yeah. progressive judges yeah. ever. He's fantastic. He's always been very encouraging. And he asked me the same question. It's like, yeah, OK, I need to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it will probably be where I've gone with it is like more on the woodland side, which is always, it's quite an easy option for Chelsea because a lot of the woodland plants are available at that sort of time and looking their best. But, um, you know, we've got, um, you know, ferns and things like briars and media. So some of the sort of woodland um, plants that would be looking good at that time of year. And, um, you know, there will be foxgloves and oh, what have I, got? I should have got a list here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so it's got so much. I mean, we sort you sort of have to spread your bets, don't you? But yeah, but the thing is, what's and I don't know if everyone will get this, but what's difficult is you have to imagine that it was a home. Yeah. So the front garden is actually a garden which has been neglected for some time. So there will you be. Obviously... Use forget me nots. Yes, I've got some forget me nots growing at the allotment. Absolutely which, uh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. They may be just over by then, but it, I don't think that will matter. I'm, no, I'm keen I know. There'll be a few flowers left. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I'm quite keen on doing that. So, but the, the, the sense of the front garden is that it's a garden that actually was planted at one point, but it's been up, you know, the tree's been uprooted and, and some of the shrubs have been left to grow a bit higher than normal. 
that is a real challenge. We can't find um, a cordyline australis, which is one of the plants we've got in there. You have to try and imagine that it was growing quite close to a great big tree. So we're trying to choose a tree that doesn't look a cordyline, that doesn't look in its best shape because it wouldn't yeah. underneath the shade of a, a tree. And so the nursery, Mark Strava is saying, oh, we, we can go and get find these trees from so-and-so. I say, yeah, but you don't want to make it look too good. You know, it needs to be, it needs to look slightly ropey. It's not a great advert for your nursery, I admit. But you know, <laughs> you know, you know, Cleve, I mentioned to you earlier on about as a child going out for a ride in the car and looking at tumble down houses and things, and there were three plants that one used to see quite commonly in gardens that are, you know, of empty houses, derelict houses, neglected houses, um, and they were that old fashioned. Um, peony called rubriplina which is the the big double red peony that was one that you always saw you always saw um the oriental poppy the old oh. i mean this is before we had many colors of oriental poppies it was always the orange one yeah. and also the spring flowering nifofio that was always there and there was those three plants that you know they were given to each other by cottage gardeners you, you know have a piece of this have a piece of that yeah um and you know they they would they used them because they were long lived, yes. and they were still there long after the owners had either died and gone to heaven or wherever they went. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever yeah, happened, you know? that's true. Um, I think it's quite it's going to be quite difficult finding plants that are really of a decent size to actually yeah. show that these things have been there for quite a long time. Yeah. So, but yeah, the peonies. I like that. That's a good. That's a good option. Well, that's where your cleverness comes together because you can put three or four or five together to look as if they're one. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And the other thing we're we're looking for, which we still haven't found one yet, is a decent sized um, Sambucus nigra, which is obviously the elder flowers grow everywhere, yeah. don't they? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, getting those of a decent size. And cool, I, I don't think I've actually seen one which has flowered, at, um, you know, because they flower around about Chelsea, don't they? So yeah, they do. Yeah. Elder flowers. You never see them at Chelsea. So that's our that's one of our missions is to find one that we can show show it. Uh, and in the Centrepoint Garden. I love the idea that you've kind of got to have someone on a mission hunting around the country for these, yeah, these right. very specific plants, wonky cordlines. <laughs> that's right. I know. I almost feel like putting something out on Twitter saying, you know, yeah. please help. I don't want to get inundated with cordlines. I tell you what, you see them everywhere, don't you? Everywhere. Yes. They were planted in the 80s, weren't they, most of them? Yeah. And now they're like, Amazing. I mean, I planted a few myself in those days when I first started gardening. I haven't planted any lately, but um, all those ones have been. Uh, yes, ones that's see. a strange thing, isn't it? They've gone out of fashion, and they are one of the plants that, as you say, eighties, early eighties. That it was the plant everybody had. Yeah, it was exotic cabbage plant from New Zealand and all the rest of it. Yeah. Now, of course, they they didn't used to be reliably hardy, but of course they are now, and it's even got to the stage where they're being bird sown around the garden because. They have the flowers, then the little white or pale blue berries. Yeah. Birds eat the fruit, distribute the seed around the garden, and yeah. before you know where you are, you've almost got a cordyline forest. Fantastic. No, I didn't know that. I didn't know birds would spread the seed. Yeah, they do. Well, if you've yeah. got a cordyline forest, Cleve might be up there, seeing if any of them are wonky <laughs> enough. <laughs> oh, we've got someone else who's got uh, he's got some silver birch saplings. He's doing a rewilding project, and... Uh, He's offered us some saplings which are growing too close together. And we what we want, because we don't want anything that's growing. You know, when nurseries nurseries grow, everything's that you know, yeah. 360 degrees sunlight, everything's growing bolt upright and beautiful and perfect. 
trying to find stuff that's not perfect is really difficult. Yeah, yeah. And again, I mean, Mark, I'm sure Mark's having kittens about, you know, his reputation. I said, don't worry, we'll all still work. It's, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I did think taking on this job, we'd never work again, but um, I think we will. I think well, we'll be fine. In the current climate with, you know, you say rewilding, that is one of those buzzwords. And there are lots of people who want to rewild even parts of their own home garden, particularly mm. if they've got a bigger plot and they can rewild the bottom half or something. Is yeah. is there a concern that you do something like this, you gain all the attention and then you just get inundated? I know it's not a bad thing to be busy. and yeah, um, We yeah. do need to pay the bills and the bills are all going up. So maybe it is good to be busier, but still that you could just get a lot of people wanting you to come and replicate a bit of this quite intricate difficult challenging mix in their gardens yeah possibly i mean i'm, I'm thinking that in some ways it might actually save people money because uh, you know with garden design but the garden design employing a garden designer isn't cheap and actually getting the, the stuff built afterwards is so expensive so if you can actually be saving people money i mean that's uh surely that's an attractive notion I love the garden designers. I don't want to cost you as much as I should do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Save you some money. <laughs> yeah. I never really was a businessman, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's done quite well for you so far. <laughs> so what is the um the kind of time scale on your Chelsea garden? I know that obviously they're being built for ages before the actual week mm. starts, but when when does it really get serious finding your wonky cord lines and stuff? um no it's serious now we, we i mean the first conversation was probably this time last year so we've been thinking about it already for a year uh, or more and then we actually started work on it um in september uh do, I, I painted a mural over at crocus and uh, that was great i really enjoyed that it was, it was really yeah uh, i was in my element there i was really nervous about it to begin with because it was like um it's untrodden territory I didn't know really what I was doing I did art at college but I never really stuck to it so I started this mural and um just got in the zone I was listening to podcasts and painting away and no that was really good so then we did uh recently in the last few weeks we've done all the rubble piles and and Mark Straver's doing all the finding the plants as well Marina Christopher's helping with some of the um growing some of the wildflowers so it's great. So it's all it's all it's ongoing basically. Uh, I'll be going there this week to look at the plants, and and that's the that's the important thing. You've got to keep checking the plants. A lot of some people um, don't check their plants often enough because you you might see things you may have missed if you didn't come in. You've also, you you've also got to have that sort of um, you've got to be variable, haven't you? You got to, you've got to adjust as you go along because yeah. the one thing that you want you might not be able to get, but there might yeah. be something else there. Yeah, you have yeah. to really hedge your bets by over-ordering on on, on yeah. quantities and uh, and yeah, but just by going doing more visits, you can you can see various opportunities that might spring up. So yeah, serendipity does come into it a lot. Yeah. 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 Well, particularly with things like weedy stuff, if you're growing them from seed and if you just happen to get that bad batch or, you know, things don't germinate, um, which can yeah. happen, I suppose, then yeah. you need something in reserve. No, that's right. And actually, nettle, I was showing you nettles earlier. Nettles are actually quite difficult to, um, they don't like it in pots. You need a, a much larger sort of container, like a, a shallow crate yeah. for them to grow in. And you can put them on some sort of fabric that you can lift out of that. Otherwise, they're just going to, they just don't like it in pots for some reason. Well, if you look at the root system, you can see why, because they're, they, they're a rhizome that travels yeah, under the ground like, and then pops up. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. right. 
We always love this podcast to be full of tips, but I don't think anyone ever thought there'd be tips on how to grow nettles <laughs> in a container. <laughs> If you haven't tasted our nettle, nettle soup, they'll be thanking for me later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that is but but that is nice. I've never tried nettle soup. Yeah. <laughs> or only ever think of nettle tea. And Honestly, it's really good for you as well. It's great. It's really nourishing. It's got lots of minerals and stuff in it. So, well, yeah. seeing how you eat, you must be so healthy. Yeah, I don't feel quite healthy <laughs> enough today. But uh, yeah, <laughs> honestly, since going vegan, I was like, I couldn't believe the health benefits. It's like off the charts. So um I'm actually thinking. I've been saying this for the last three years now. I'm because I used to run and do track and field athletics, and um, quite before my 65th birthday, I might try and run again. So um, I feel, yeah, that's the result of just feeling generally a lot better. So um, watch this space. Uh, and if people are interested in um, in the kind of more vegan side of of your world, obviously you did write the Garden of Vegan as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and get hold of that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the book. It's um, it's been a really interesting journey. It was like it's quite disturbing to begin with because I saw a lot of stuff which I didn't know about, and having been a vegetarian most of my life, I thought I knew all the bad stuff, but I didn't know half of it. So um, so that's been quite interesting, and people's reaction has been quite interesting as well because I didn't expect how aggressive some people can be just by saying the word the V word. Yeah, but, but it's it's been quite encouraging. The last two or three years have been really encouraging because a lot of people have been getting in touch, you know, privately saying, you know, we, we're doing it now and we feel fantastic. And uh, we can see, you know, we've seen the various films I recommended them to see, like Earthlings and Dominion. You know, once you've seen those films, there's just no going back. So, um, but, um, you know, I just think Gardner's got so much to offer with all the, all the tr- trouble we're facing as a species. And the trouble we're causing other species, I think we're you know we're really well placed to actually deal with some of these issues on in a really easy way, in a sort of a low key way, just by raising awareness about um, you know the small things in life that keep the bigger things going. So I is think this, that message is getting through today. Yeah, it is slowly, isn't it? It takes the time. Like all, any any major change takes yeah. a lot of time, doesn't yeah. it? So I'm yeah. I'm a really impatient git. So. <laughs> The older I get, the more impatient I get. Like, do it now. <laughs> well, I suppose that's quite good for a Chelsea Flower Show garden. I mean, that's that's the whole name of the game, impatience. Get to yeah. the finished finish yeah, product in a right. few weeks. So. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, now, I suppose we've kept you for quite a long time, so we probably should squeeze in some FLOMO and release you back to uh, planning your uh, your Chelsea garden. Now, FLOMO, for anyone who's not caught one of our podcasts before, is how Alan and I live our lives. It's this sort of fear of missing out we get about certain plants. And I suppose the world of social media doesn't help. There are already gardens to look at. There are already loads of magazines and books, but then social media just throws all these plants in your face all the time um and of course other people in the gardening world so i need more um sort of winter interest in my garden really when i first moved into my tiny suburban plot i just had all these flowery things i wanted to grow a little bit of a kind of autumn leaf but i need more evergreens more structure really and uh someone the other day showed me a holly which i think was a bit of confusion about the name but i think is silver milkmaid so a really yep. lovely variegated holly and i was very taken with that i've got a <laughs> sprig of it that i can just look at and sort of hold in various places and see if i want to grow it so that's my serious flomo 
But I was talking to the head gardener at King's College in Cambridge, Steve Coghill, who is such an inspiration. And he mentioned a passion flower. This is the silly flomo because I can't really grow it. But Passiflora quadrangularis. <laughs> I, I, that little chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. It's like a jellyfish. It is like some kind of sea creature with these sort of purple tentacles hanging off the oh. flower. And I just thought, what a showstopper if I could ever grow that. And I imagine... Well, I guess, I guess, can I interrupt you a minute? Just say this. If you could grow it, it would swamp your whole garden because it's such a vigorous vine. I mean, it really is. Well, I, you know, I've currently got your... Um, your Cabea Pringlei yeah. kind of scrambling over the back fence. So we all know I love something that's a bit on the vigorous side. Rampant. <laughs> that's what yeah. I'm going for. But it's just crazy. And I assume too tender, really, to try. I have no, you know, under glass area where I could could grow it. So I think that's one for the future. But I just had to mention it so that I could put a picture on the screen in the video version so that people could see. We could all see the jellyfish. <laughs> yeah, the jellyfish yeah. flower. Love to see that. Definitely. That's great. Uh, Cleve, is there anything that you're kind of wish listing? Um, I thought about it. It's, 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 it's difficult. I mean, aside from the weeds thing, which is like a relatively new thing for me, I've always been sort of drawn to um, landscapes that are of their place, you know, like deserts or woodland, you know, those extremes. And um, because you know, coming from Porlock, we had woodlands all around us and moorland, you know, they all got their own distinct characters. And um, so gardens always, I, I mean, I love gardening. and I, I, Our garden is very ornamental and we've got, um, you know, we've, we've got Aurelias and uh, you and Fatsia, not Fatsia, um, Sheffleras. And so it's slightly exotic, slightly on the exotic side. And I'm going to probably enhance that when we do more planting. Otherwise, it's going to look a bit disjointed. But I've always got a hankering after just pure landscape. You know, do, 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 I'm not describing it very well. But no, you know, you do. Yeah, I think it's a sense of place. Please. Yeah, sense of place. Yeah. And it's really difficult. And I think, you know, when you see it, you know it. And you just, yeah. you just it just hits you in the soul, doesn't it? And you just... Yeah. You know you can't do any better than that, you know. Well, you, meant, you mentioned the desert here, and I said to somebody, I was plant. I can't think what it was now, but this, anyway, I, I was putting a plant in the desert wash here in the garden, and they said, well, that doesn't come from a desert. And I said, well, it looks as if it does, and that's enough for me. <laughs> and that, that that's yeah. the feeling you need. You need to have that yeah. sort of... Yeah. Yeah. No, I love your that dry garden, the gravel garden there. I mean, because I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was a John Brooks student. John Brooks taught me... Yeah. And he introduced me to gravel gardening, and I, it's just—it really, really does. I really enjoy it so much. I yeah. want to do gravel everywhere, and uh, I enjoyed your garden, Alan. When I came, yeah, thank you. Um, and so, yeah, if I, I suppose that I would love uh, personally either a gravel garden or a woodland. I mean, it's, it's like a bit general, but you need to move to Huntingbrook. <laughs> I do need. To, we need. We need more space. Then I just want to show you something that I've gonna. Um, I might put in our garden because uh, this is um, Aloysia. Aloysia trifella. Yeah. And so lemon verbena, and it's just absolutely the smell of these leaves. It's just. Everyone should plant one somewhere where they just brush past it and yeah. just put your hand out. I mean, it's just so refreshing. It's alive. It's lovely. It's, it's incredible. Okay. Like, oh, literally over there, three or four houses away, it's. Um, Someone's planted one and it's grown into a tree and it's yeah. it's in a backyard. So it's it's sort of east facing and it's sheltered and it must be 
it must be 15 to 25 feet. Now, before you say anything else, Cleve, doesn't that just illustrate global warming, climate yeah. change? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, these, this plant 30 years ago wouldn't have grown like that. No, but I've never seen one that big. Uh, no. It's just happily getting on with it over there. And so I'm thinking of maybe putting this in our garden. We've got we've got some in pots, you know, just to make some tea with. Yeah. It does that very well. But I'm thinking maybe of making a tree out of it. Um, oh, yeah. Hang on. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, I've forgotten the name of this plant. It's um, this leaf. Do you, it's just the most stunning colour. I think what's very underrated are fruit trees with their autumn colour. Yeah. And this is um, persimmon. Ah, persimmon. Ah! Yeah, yeah. persimmon. There you go. But I mean, the color, the colors are amazing. It's stunning. We've got, um, we've got one at our allotment, which is um, not on our allotment, but in, in a look at the communal side of our allotment. These are the colors of that tree and, and with the orange fruits on as well. It's just the most stunning sight. Everything from yellowy oranges to deep, deep burnished scarlet. Just yeah. the whole range. And, and you know, if you, it was too early. I was going to try and get some leaves from our Bramley apple tree. If you look at a Bramley, most people don't take any notice of apple trees because they're apple trees, you know. The leaves are just stunning. If you just watch, try and check out a local apple tree, you'll be amazed at what sort of colours you get. Yeah, beautiful. Um, oh, yeah, for my gravel for my gravel garden, which I eventually might get, this it doesn't look much, but Artemisia schmittiana. Yeah, lovely. You've Love got it. that, surely, yeah. yeah. It needs lots of good drainage, doesn't it? I forgot some groundsel, some groundsel estate. Oh, yeah, lovely. I'm going to have some of that. See, the, that's got a lot of goodness in it as well. What else have I got? Didn't know I had this bag. Oh, yes. This is something we actually do have. Um, so I'm cheating a bit, but that's... Um, medler. Medler. At oh, our yeah. We've got a, a medler tree at our allotment, and we feed the whole of West London with it. We've got so much fruit. It's incredible. Um, I love this about... bag of treats that you've suddenly happened upon. I know. <laughs> Lurking in the corner there. It's just like a little extra encore at yeah, the end of the podcast. Right, yeah. How exciting. Uh, Alan, did you have any Flomo to share this week? Episode um, well, I, I have one from this programme, in actual fact, which is something I don't grow, which I, I think I should grow, and that's licorice, um, which is glycorrhiza. The yes, blue that, flowers. That's and it. Lovely fruits that, that Dude, generously showed us. Yeah. 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 I don't grow that, and I should grow it. So that's gone on my wish list with a star. Good, <laughs> good, good. Which means get it. It, it has been such a wonderful, uplifting Before chat. You, to finish, <laughs> can I just ask you, why don't you make a couple of cuttings out of your sprig of silver milk maid? Oh, well, I did wonder about doing this, um, but it, it had been cut for, a, a, I suppose, a day or so, and I didn't know how much sort of... Always back your luck. Well, I'll, I'll go do it now. And if you yeah. take the, when you take the lower leaves off, the, the very lowest leaf that you take off on the opposite side of the stem, if you scrape a tiny little piece of bark away or top skin away, if you like, just to wound it, that will aid the rooting. Right. Oh. It's another thing for the windowsill. The other yeah, half yeah. will be delighted. It's currently <laughs> full of coleus, which he hates. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember. I, I said something like, oh, do you know what's what's really great about this coleus? He said, there is nothing great about coleus. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a fan. <laughs> yeah, there are plants like that. What's the one in... Um... Oh, 
I'm trying to think of the, the for my brother used to live in Florida. And I'm trying to think crotons. Yeah, crotons. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, I met a man, a, a guy who's absolutely mad on them. And I just I love not, to think they're horrible things. Yeah, could not <laughs> see it at all. I mean, I'm, I'm, I always love to give plants the benefit of the doubt because everything has its place, doesn't it? So yeah, I just yeah. couldn't. Maybe in maybe in somewhere like Florida or something, they they actually look as if they should be growing there. Even even in Florida, <laughs> just wrong. The look on your face says it actually all. the bit you know, and and then going back to what I was talking about natural landscape, you just go into the Everglades. It's all you need. It's just ah, oh, it's just stunning. Yeah, um, all the mangroves as well. Fantastic. Well, well, actually, I mean, talking about landscapes before we wind things up, um, we we always do holiday around Somerset. And uh, the Quantocks, we sort of did an impromptu walk. We often, you know, sit down and look at a map and plan out where we're going to go. But we just sort of stopped and, and got out and walked through the Quantocks. And I just never wanted to leave that yeah. kind of mossy little stream running through. And yeah. you go down to the valley and, and you're just encased in green and the birds are singing and it's got that kind of cathedral like effect. Yeah. Um, I just, you know have a little shack and stay there the whole time i think i know yeah i'm really in my element in that sort of thing that's just wonderful it brings back so many memories well this has been just a joyful chat you know like you just talk talk for an hour and more and you just come out of it with a massive smile on your face and your cheeks are slightly hurting and actually yeah. now you've said that i've never seen anyone smile so much i've watched a couple of your um your episodes and i thought gosh she's a very smiley person i wish i could smile that much i'm well, sure my I mean, wife it's My wife, company. Christine, would be very pleased if I did <laughs> smile that much. I think it's the company. It's the planty chat. I mean, how how can you not grin with glee <laughs> during these podcasts? It's lovely. Also, I mean, as an aside, my resting bitch face is awful. So I've got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> <I've got> to... <laughs> To fight that. <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder. <laughs> you should anyway, see me driving. You. I look very angry when I'm driving. <laughs> Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Will you come and see us at Chelsea if you're coming? We will. Yeah, that would be absolutely wonderful. I, I mean, I cannot wait to see this garden in real life and all the things you've spoken about. Good, uh, but I'm really excited. And I'm even more excited at seeing what Alan dresses up as. You know, <laughs> his outfit. I'm already looking forward to that. Yeah, I've said before, I put a lot of effort into my outfits for Chelsea. And then um, I realised that the only way I would ever outshine Alan is if I turned up naked. And uh, I've decided not to go for that. And even then, no one would pay attention. They'd still look at Alan. So... <laughs> oh, dear. I'd have to get him and Jimmy Blake together. Uh, this, this is my little nod to Alan and Jimmy Blake, a little bit of colour. I don't do colour very well. Well, you should have seen Jimmy's outfit this year at the Chelsea Flower Show. Nobody could top that. I mean, exactly. where it came from, I, I don't know. It looks so good and expensive and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. Brilliant. Well, until then, good luck with all of your various things you need to find and all the magic you need to work. As Alan said earlier, you are a wizard, so it's clearly all going to come together and we just can't wait to see the finished product. Oh, thank you so much. Until good luck. Then. God bless. Happy gardening, everybody. Right. Happy gardening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, Thordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening. 
and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time. <laughs> <laughs>